Welcome to the Tips for Homeschool Science Show, where we're breaking down the lofty ideals of teaching science into building blocks you can use in your homeschool. I'm Paige Hudson, and for season four of this podcast, we are working through the four stages of teaching science to help you create a roadmap for your homeschooling journey. In today's episode, I want to share with you several different ways we have used the five tools we talked about in episode 65 to accomplish the goals we talked about in episode 64. The possibilities are endless for elementary science, but I hope that these four glimpses at how it has worked in our home will help you get a picture of how you could do science during the elementary years. In the end, the method you choose to teach science will depend upon the interests of your student and your strengths as a teacher. No one way is better than the other. It really depends upon which method fits your homeschool the best. That's why I say that curriculum is meant to be a tool and not your master, because we should shape the programs we use to fit our unique situations. So with that said, I'm going to describe four different scenarios one for using living books, one featuring nature study, one piecing together units, and one doing science within the classical model. Again, all of these options are valid ways to teach science. So choose the one that will work best for your homeschool or create your own eclectic mix of the five tools we discussed. With that said, let's dig in. Scenario number one, using living books. So the idea for teaching science this way is that an interesting living book takes center stage for science. What the student learns from the living book is then fleshed out through the use of the other four tools, the scientific demonstrations, notebooking, projects, and memory work. You can use a classic living book, such as the Burgess Book for Children, or a more modern option, like the Sassafras Science Adventures that we offer. I have shared a list of options on our website, which you can see by heading over to the show notes found at elementalscience.com slash blogs slash podcast slash this episode's number, which is 66. So here's what a week using living books for elementary science look like for us. When we use the modern living book, The Sassafras Science Adventures, Volume 2, Anatomy, our son was seven years old, and I was training for my first 5K. So I made use of the audiobook to read for me while I ran. That's one of the perks of using living books for teaching science. So we did science twice a week, and on the first day, our son would listen to the first part of the chapter while I ran on the treadmill. After I was done running, we opened his lap book and chatted about the skeletal system, which was the focus of the particular chapter we read that day. He wanted to add on the purpose page that the job of the skeleton was to keep us from being floppy. So I wrote that down for him, and he stapled the booklet together and we glued it into his lap book. Then we discussed the part where Larry Snowflake Maru had held the skull and shared a bit more about it. We laughed about how strange it would be to have a tooth with a picture etched on it, and I asked him what he remembered about the skull. After he shared several facts, I asked him what he wanted to add to his lap book, and he said that the skull protects the brain and that it's hard, which I wrote down for him. And then we glued the skull mini book into his lap book. He didn't want to color it at this time. So we read the definition of cranium, vertebral column, and skeleton before placing those cards in the vocabulary pocket we had already glued into the lap book. 
On the second day, I read the second part of chapter two out loud while our son built with magnetiles. After I was done reading, we opened his lap book and chatted about the skeletal system. He wanted to add on the facts page that the skeletal system had 206 bones, which I wrote down for him, and we labeled the skull and backbone on the parts page. Then we laughed about how scared Snowflake and Raz were, and he assured me that he was way braver than they were. I asked him if he could show me where his backbone was, and if he could tell me a few facts about that part of his body. And after he shared several facts that he learned from the book, I asked him what he wanted to put in his lap book. He said the backbone holds us up and is made of vertebrae, which I wrote down for him, and then we glued his backbone mini book into his lap book. Again, he didn't want to color the picture on the front. So finally, we did the week's demonstration entitled Support System, where we used hot dog buns and toothpicks instead of marshmallows to demonstrate the benefits of having a backbone. So as you can see, basically, when you use a living book for science, you read a section, chat about what happened, and use this discussion to pull out the key scientific facts. Then you write down something to remember, go over vocabulary or memory work if the student is interested, and finally, you wrap up the week with a related demonstration and add in an extra project if there's time. This took us about 30 minutes twice a week to complete. Scenario number two, featuring nature study. So when you teach science this way during the elementary years, your lessons are led by the science you find in nature. The time outside is then enriched by reading science-oriented books, keeping a journal, doing a few extra projects, and possibly working on a bit of memory work. If you want to learn more about nature study, I suggest you check out episode 8, where I shared about what nature study is. But here's what a week featuring nature study for elementary science looked like for us. For this particular week, my plan was to learn more about the sedimentary rocks in our area. So we started by taking a few hours to hike a trail near our home. When we saw an interesting rock, we would stop, observe it, and take a few pictures. We pulled out our local rock field guide and tried to identify the rocks we found. On the way back, we looked for the sedimentary rock sandstone that we had spotted earlier and stopped there to create a nature journal page. We sat off the trail and drew the rock in our journals and reread the page in our field guide about sandstone. Our then fourth grader wrote on her journal page the date where we found the rock and the following sentence. Sandstone is hard but gritty. It's a sedimentary rock composed mainly of quartz particles, which she came up with after we discussed the sandstone a bit. Later on in the week, we checked out a few books from the library about sedimentary rock and about rock collecting. We read a few of them together and chatted about the rocks we remembered from our hike. Then we worked together to add pictures of the rocks we had identified to a poster that we were creating about the rocks in our area. We reviewed the definition of sedimentary rock, and we worked a bit on a poem about the different types of rocks that we were memorizing. So as you can see, when you feature nature study as your main plans for science, you learn about the flora and fauna around you. You create a nature journal, and then you can add in more books and projects and memory work later on in the week to give the students another touch point with the material. This took us several hours one day and about 20 minutes on another day to complete. Scenario number three, piecing together units. When you piece together units for teaching science during the elementary years, you're exploring a topic that either the student is interested in or that you want to cover. You can do this by creating or by purchasing a plan that will share about the topic using the tools, so scientific demonstrations, books, notebooking, projects, and memory work. So here's what a week piecing together a unit for elementary science looked like for us. So at the time, our son was super interested in volcanoes, and we had a big trip planned to go to Iceland. So I figured it was 
the perfect time for us to take a break and do a unit on volcanoes. I pulled together a quick lap book on the subject using the book National Geographic Readers Volcanoes as our guide. On Monday through Thursday, we read a few pages from the volcano book and added a short narration to one of the mini books I had created. Then we glued the mini book into the lap book and finished our time by going over the new vocabulary that was introduced, making cards for the words and adding the cards into our vocabulary pocket. The last day of the week, we spent quite a bit of time by making and painting a volcano to explode in our backyard. In between drying times, we reviewed the vocabulary and looked over the lap book we made. We also read a book on volcanoes from the Let's Read and Find Out science series that we had gotten from the library. Once the volcano was ready, we exploded it several times in the backyard. So when you piece together a unit, you spend time reading about the subject, you write down what you've learned in a lap book, notebook, or journal, then you add in a hands-on science activity and a few extra projects and some vocabulary if there's time. These units can be a week long, a month long, or longer than that. But this scenario took us about 10 to 15 minutes a day at the beginning of the week and a little over an hour on a Friday to complete. Scenario number four, doing science within the classical model. If you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, it's no secret that I'm a fan of the classical education model that's described in The Well-Trained Mind by Jesse Wise and Susan Wise Bauer. And though, as you can see, we've explored other options for teaching science, we always seem to land back at doing science within the classical model, because it's what fits my teaching style the best. When you teach science within the classical model, your week is centered on demonstrations that are enhanced with reading from visually appealing encyclopedias and notebooking. You will also add in the classical education hallmark of memory work and a few extra projects. Here's what a week of doing science within the classical model for elementary science looked like for us. So this year we are working through chemistry for the grammar stage, and the week I'm sharing about is from the periodic table unit. Our week began with a demonstration where we cleaned pennies using an acid from one of the nitrogen elements, phosphoric acid, which you can find in cola. The next day we read about the nitrogen elements from the assigned book, and we chatted about the elements in this group, what they were like, and decided to add the following to his notebook. The nitrogen elements are a mishmash. Some of the elements are gas, some of them are solid. Then we added the nitrogen elements to his periodic table poster and worked on memorizing the periodic table poem. The next day we read about nitrogen and added what he learned to his notebook page. At this point he dictates his narration to me and then copies it into his notebook. So we went over the week's vocabulary, and then we watched the suggested video on the nitrogen cycle. The day after that, we did the same for phosphorus and continued to review the periodic table poem. So as you can see, when you do science within the classical model, you study one discipline each year using demonstrations, readings, notebooking, memory work, and the occasional project to flesh out what you want the students to know. You can also use this style of teaching science for a more traditional approach of, of studying multiple subjects rather than studying one discipline per year. But either way, this scenario took us about 10 to 20 minutes a day to complete. Although there are many different methods for teaching elementary science, your goals remain the same. You want to spark the student's interest in science as well as fill their knowledge bucket with basic scientific information. It's okay to try out options and see which one fits you the best as long as you make sure that you're hitting all three keys. You're doing some hands-on science, you're gathering scientific information, and you're writing down what you learned each week. And if you have time, you can sprinkle in the remaining tools of extra projects and memory work. When you teach science this way during the elementary years, your students will develop an interest to learn more. And just like during their early years, 
This interest will pave the way for a much easier science learning experience in future years. So in the next episode of season four, we're going to move on to the next stage of our roadmap for teaching science, the middle school years. Thanks for listening. I hope that you leave our time together encouraged in your homeschool journey. Let me know what you think by leaving a rating or review in iTunes or in the podcasting app you use to listen to the Tips for Homeschool Science show. I would so appreciate you taking the time to do so, as it inspires those of us who work so hard to put this podcast together for you to enjoy, and it helps others find this podcast. I would love to connect with you beyond the earbuds. You can find me at Instagram at Elemental Science. Or drop me an email through the link on our website, which is elementalscience.com. I can't wait to share with you another piece of the roadmap in our next episode. But until then, I hope you have a great week playing with science. This podcast is free for you to enjoy thanks to the programs we offer at Elemental Science. Our company got its start one day over 10 years ago with a simple question. If you're doing all that work to create science curriculum for our daughter because you can't find what you needed, don't you think someone else is looking for the same thing? And with a whole lot of work, those simple plans for our homeschool became the several lines of award-winning science curricula we offer today. At Elemental Science, our goal has always been to provide you with easy-to-use science plans to help you share the wonders of science with your students. Come see how we can help you teach science at elementalscience.com.